0: What's happening, everybody? I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover, and this is Cinema Parlor. Stacy, how you doing? Good, man. It's uh, feel like it's been a while since we've talked. It's been a couple weeks here. Yeah. So on this week's episode, we're gonna be doing a double feature of sorts of The Thing from Another World and The Thing. Yep, winter classics. You know, we're settling in and talk about some uh, chilly films. What do you got over there? All right. So this week. I am drinking uh, a sour beer called Sippin' Pretty. This is from Odell Brewing Company. This is a fruited sour. Uh, You know, it looks and sounds delicious. Uh, Himalayan pink sea salt in there. Some guava, elderberry.
1: Pretty good. That's tasty
0: stuff. What are you drinking, man? Man, I've got Firestone
1: Walker Brewing Company... 2018 Velvet Merkin.
0: You got a uh, specialty beer here.
1: Yeah, it it was a gift during the Christmas time. It's nice. an oatmeal stout, uh, bourbon barrel aged, seven point eight percent, and it's named after um you know wigs for vaginas.
0: Count it. All so, right. So
1: man, what are you uh what you been up to?
0: Yeah. So I've got a pretty good list of some stuff I've watched here over the last couple weeks. To start things off, I'm going to name a few films that I've caught up with from 2018. Okay. Still have a lot of catching up to do. So the first one I watched would be The Commuter. This is by uh, his last name Colette Serra, I believe. He directed a lot of kind of genre films. He did The Shallows a few years ago. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. He's did a couple other uh, action films with uh, Liam Neeson. So, this movie was decent. You know, it reaches the highest points of silly and ridiculous, you know, I, but I did find entertaining. Worth a watch for, like, a, bore, you know, if you have nothing better to do on a Saturday or Sunday
1: afternoon. Sure. <laughs> well, let's see. I watched, uh, I've been catching up on some stuff. I watched Roma on Netflix. All right. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I don't, I'm not gonna talk about it too much because I know you haven't seen it yet, but, right. uh. It's good. I I don't like it as much as as like some of his genre films, but I think it's very good and worthy of all the praise that it's getting. Cool. Um, I also watched, and I, I know you did too, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah. Yep. So I like that movie, but I feel like it's a movie that like, I want
0: to like it more than I like it. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, Sure. I like, liked it a good amount. Um, I had issues with it, but I liked it a good amount. Yeah. So,
1: uh, and that's the thing. It's a good movie. I like it. The cast is good. Uh, I think it, it might be a little too long. hmm And I feel like the style and all of the, like, mystery and menace that's presented in the beginning of the film, there's not really any
0: payoff to that. Sure. And I, I find that a little disappointing. I found it to be very interesting, especially the first half of the film, just because it kind of flips the genre a little bit because mm-hmm. you know we usually don't get these looks like if you have something that happens like this where people are living double lives uh-huh you don't get this this sense that someone has actually peeked in on them and knows something is actually happening where you get a character that knows about the double life of a character early in the film you usually sure. don't get that stuff so like, i really liked that i like i liked I won't go into it too much because there, I'm sure a lot of people haven't seen this movie. Yeah. Um, so I won't talk too much about that. But I really liked the first half of this movie a lot. The the biggest issue for me was kind of just like the final act. Um, it, it I agree with you. It didn't have a, as big of a payoff as I was hoping for. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I felt it a bit a, a little bit cliched for a movie that was trying to do something different with genre. Yeah. So that was my biggest issue with the end. I feel like they set up... Too many MacGuffins. Uh-huh. Sure. And I can agree with that. Yeah. But I will say I loved the acting in the movie. Yeah. That acting's great. It's got, got good really
1: style. Good. Like, he's a good filmmaker. Was it Was a Godard? Yeah. Uh, Drew, Drew. Drew Goddard, yeah. I believe is his
0: name. Uh, he did, of course, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, and, that movie's uh, awesome. Yeah. I would recommend seeing it. Uh, like I said, it not a lot of people saw this movie. Yeah, so I agree. You should give it a rent or a watch if it... Hit streaming someday. Yeah.
1: What else? What else you been up to?
0: All right. So I watched um, a couple newer horror films from twenty eighteen. <clears throat> One would be called Satan Slaves. The other is called Terrified. Um, these are both streaming on Shudder, as we've talked about that service before. And I'd heard some pretty high praise for these movies, as mm-hmm. far in the horror circles. You know, that's obviously film has its own circles a lot of time, and but um, for the horror circles, I I saw people were liking these movies. I didn't mind them. I found them both. Uh, actually, you know, kind of more scarier, which is good because I know you don't get scared about anything, but I I get scared still, and it's it doesn't happen that often, but I I I felt a bit of creepiness in both of these movies, but I found none of them either one of them to be particularly astonishing. So, I just middling. I believe uh, that terrified is a I want to say it's a Spanish film, and on. Satan's Slaves, uh, I can't remember on that one, so I'm sorry. I'm not even gonna so, tell you. It. So if I want to watch these, I got to read. Yeah, them. you got to read subtitles. Oh. I'm sorry. I recommend them both. They're nothing that will blow you away, but they're fun little genre films that are kind of creepy. So I won't go into too much other than say, I recommend them to an extent.
1: Nice. Well, let's see. I also watched the uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs recently. Okay. Which that movie picked up some Academy Award nominations, surprisingly. Sure. I, I thought it was alright. It's uh it's not my favorite by them, but I like some of the stories. Uh, the first story I think is my favorite. I love the like making fun of like Roy Rogers mm-hmm. you know, Jean Autry type uh films. Yep. The musical numbers were great. And, I mean the whole movie looks great. It's one of the best film movies of the year. It's just some of the stories go on a little too long. Some of the stories don't really go anywhere. It's just maybe a too long of a film.
0: That's fair. I I liked it a bit more than you. I you know, it's it's not a perfect movie for me by any means. I you know, I have small issues with it on definitely like there are a couple stories that I think are a bit too longer than they needed to be. I agree with you on the that. Liam Neeson one. Um I'm I'm it's a movie I'm very excited to see again because with most Cohen films I always think it grows greater every time I watch it and I feel like this will be no different with me. Like I I already loved the movie, but like I'm I'm actually quite excited to rewatch it and re watch each story because they have such intricate things you can pick up on each mm-hmm. time you watch it. And I know like there's gonna be little things I just find in each story every time I watch it that's just gonna bring something new every time. So it's definitely a movie I think that I'll probably look more fondly of the mm-hmm. more I watch it, but as of right now, I liked it. It's I wouldn't say it's like my favorite cone movie, but I liked it. See, I think it's
1: interesting. Um, from what I gather, it seems like everybody has a different short that they like. Uh-huh. So it seems like there's not really a consensus on, you know, what the best one is mm-hmm. or worst one is in that. Which is pretty good for an anthology film. Because, sure. you know, most anthology films, there's usually a couple parts that are lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this film was... You know, no different in that respect. But I do, I really dig what they're trying to do. And I love like breaking down American folklore, Mm -hmm. you know, as explored through the Western genre. And there's some really cool performances, some great design. It's a cool movie. Since you were talking about revisiting this film. Yes. So it brought something to my mind. Mm -hmm. What do you think about all these like Netflix movies?
0: Are you going to get a Blu-ray of this? If it comes out, I will. That's the only thing I'm scared about sometimes with, and I know that Netflix has released some Blu-rays, but uh-huh. I am, I'm a big collector, so Ooh, yeah, like, you are too, so I mean, I want, I will definitely buy it because I, I want to be, first off, I, I like to be Coen Brothers Complete because I'm, that's the nerd boy I am, but uh, I would rather watch it in Blu-ray because streaming is unreliable. Yeah, so I, I guess
1: what I was thinking is like, it's not, you know, if it's available, you buy it or not right it's is this going to be available
0: yeah and that's a good question because i really don't know same with like roma you know yeah like become available i have questions about this as well and it kind of bugs me especially like thinking about scorsese who's another one of my favorite directors that you know his new movie's coming at the end of the year are they going to put that on blu-ray like these definitely you know don't get me wrong you can you can watch them on netflix anytime you want but I, I, personally would rather have the Blu-ray.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, agree. When you get into digital ownership, you know something. You, it's the same with like computer games, mm-hmm. and it's like you don't really own. You, yeah, you anything. have them, but
0: like for how long? Yeah. Right? And I'm not, you know, Netflix is has a great model right now, and there, but you know, do we really know how long this model is going to last? Yeah.
1: So. I don't know. Maybe maybe not the best thing for film. You yeah. Know, I'm those who like to visit and revisit. I'm with you there. <laughs> just just a thought that <laughs> yeah. sparked into my mind. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, Anything else for you, man? Man, I've been playing some games. Been going through like the Devil May Cry games, you know what from PS2 era. hmm Devil May Cry two is really bad. Finished that one recently. Okay. Still the everlasting grind of Red Dead 2. I think I'm getting closer to the end. Nice then oh i played pokemon okay so i i mean I, we were probably old when pokemon came yeah. out right when we are older that's true so i never got into pokemon the only thing i know about them is from smash brothers so you know everybody knows what a pikachu is
0: yeah right that's true it's
1: like a 3d remake of the old pokemon games okay. like the, the gold red and blue mm-hmm. i might have those wrong um i think those were the original ones But, you know, you just walk around, train monsters. It's pretty fun. Nice. And started Resident Evil 2, the remake. So, original Resident Evil 2, one of my favorite games of all time. It's one that I play probably every year. Like, you know, just breeze through that game. Have it memorized. So, it's remake. I'm only a couple hours into Claire's campaign. It's very good. It's got the coolest, like, gore effects that I've ever seen in a video game. Like, it looks like, it looks like Day of the Dead, like, ambition, as far as, like, the gore, but, like, unlimited budget. Nice. It, it's really messed up, and it makes, like, zombies, like, freaky, again. It, I, don't, I feel like zombies haven't been scary. Like, it's oversaturated. Yeah. You know, for zombies. But these things, it's like, it feels realistic in that it's kind of hard to... You know, shoot. You have to shoot them in the brain. If mm-hmm. you miss the brain, then it's just like yeah, you shoot them in the nose. It's in the nose. You know, mm-hmm. the nose falls off. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really cool.
0: You get like more than one zombie at a time after you, and it's a little bit more difficult. Nice. I I watched. Uh, I'm I'm very interested about this game. I never played the second one, and I this is probably the best uh, time to try the second oh, one for sure. This so I'll, 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 it's one I'll hopefully play sometime, but I watched uh, like a video review the other yeah. day just to get like how people were feeling and how it looked and stuff and everything you said, like that's it. That's how I felt watching that video yeah. review. It looks amazing. Yeah,
1: it's got like the graphics are amazing and I think it's got the best narrative in the series. So, you know, if you're interested in Resident Evil, this is a great time to jump on. Yeah,
0: definitely. Okay, cool, man. Uh, I'm pumped to try to check that out at some point. Well, speaking of horror, do we want to get into it? All right. So, uh, Stacy, this, these were your choices, uh, for this episode. Yeah. Tell us about, uh, what made you pick these two here? Well, I, I love both
1: of these movies. I, for different reasons, and we'll get into that. But, you know, winter is upon us, and I can't think of a better winter thing than The Thing. Yeah. So, that's, that's all it is, man. It's a cold movie. It is a cold movie. <laughs> um, so, we'll, we'll start with the 50s one. Yeah. And then go into Carpenters. Okay. So, these are both based off of the novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell, uh, mm-hmm. 1938. So, science fiction writing was kind of really taking off in, like, magazines. Uh, this is when you were getting all the H.P. Lovecraft stuff. And, you know, uh, John Campbell puts uh, Who Goes There out. Mm -hmm. Which, it feels very much like an H.P. Lovecraft story. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the stuff that's in Carpenter's film is in the novella. Um, You know, some of the descriptions of what the creature is, you know, is different. But it is a shapeshifter. From
0: what I understand, his movie may be a little more closer to the book than the original movie. Yeah, the original film doesn't...
1: There's things that they can do, mm-hmm. obviously. Sure. So, the original film, uh, The Thing from Another World, which originally they wanted to just call it The Thing, mm-hmm. but apparently, I guess there was a pop song that came out that year that was really popular called The Thing. Yeah. And uh, you can tell on the titler, so when the movie starts, The Thing burns into the screen. Mm-hmm. And then you get this overlay of From Another World yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> but, I mean, the title works either way. Uh, and, and it's a nice distinction between the two films. Uh, this film was 1951. Yep. So, 51. you're coming off of, like, the universal phase of horror. You're coming off of, really, like, the Val Luton, the RKO films that were really popular. And this is, like, right before Hammer stuff hits. So we're kind of away from gothic horror and this film is kind of the genesis of a new like science fiction horror subgenre um the atomic horror film so you know you have this but then later you get things like you know them and mole people mm-hmm. a creature from the black lagoon you know all these movies where um the, the theme is that science is mm-hmm. what's causing these monstrosities. Right. Um, you, you also get the space movies, you know, after this. Yeah. Um, it, the Terror from Beyond Space, which Alien's based off of loosely. Right. Um, Invaders from Mars. So all of these popular films. This is the first of this type. Uh, Howard Hawks, I guess he really liked the book. And I, he's, I think he's coming off a of Red River. Mm-hmm. possibly right. and he's just wanting to make like a smaller you know type film and there's something wrong i guess with the dga or this guy christian nibe who is the actual director of the film so mm-hmm. they say which is funny if you look this film up on imdb they actually credit uh nibe and howard hawks as yeah. the director well,
0: what's funny too about the movie is and that opening titler and i know this doesn't mean anything but just like as someone as people have kind of questioned uh-huh. this, the first thing you get after you know the fang followed by from another world is a howard hawks production uh-huh. right and i just find that you know to be interesting that his name is first before actually well and that's how it. they
1: sold the film like if you watch like the old trailers you know they just list like his you know popular movies you know red river his girl friday uh, or, like from the mastermind you know yeah, right. howard hawks so the end, the movie really feels like his. Now Christian Ivey, from my understanding, I, I guess he was like second unit or right, he assistant with Hawk, director so. in uh-huh. *Hawks*, and he really didn't do much in film after this. Uh, he mostly worked in television. Okay, um, directed a lot of you know episodes for TV. Uh, we have starring in the film, and the cool thing about this movie that's so different from the uh, John Carpenter one is you have women. In this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now it is mostly a men's picture, but we'll, we'll get to the power dynamics in a little bit. You do have um, playing Captain Patrick, Kenneth Toby, mm-hmm. who is a famous monster killer. He would go on to do The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, um, which that movie inspired, you know, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. That really brought in the, um, I think that was 51 or 52. That movie brought in like the giant creature you know, during the atomic horror uh-huh. phase. Uh, he was also in It Came From Beneath the Sea. Uh, both Ray Harryhausen films right. as well. Uh, later on, uh, he would be a regular cameo in Joe Dante films. So he shows up in Gremlins. He shows up in The Howling. I think he's in Gremlins 2. I think he's the projectionist in Gremlins 2. Oh, you nice. know, all these damn Gremlins or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he, he's he been around And most famously, uh, James Arness plays the creature, the carrot alien man. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, James Arness is probably the most famous actor that's in this movie. He is famously Matt Dillon from Gunsmoke, which is one of the most popular television shows of all time. Sure. Uh, I think that show ran like, like 11, 15 years, which, you know, back then is insane. Uh, so he, he's a household name, you know, because of that character. He was also, I believe, in um, some John Wayne films, um, you know, as a supporting you know, side character. I imagine it was probably hard for him to get cast in a bunch of Hollywood films just because of how freakishly huge he is. Yeah,
0: a big presence on screen. That's yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so let's just get into, uh, you know, some basics. So what yep. do you, you think of this film? All right.
0: I, yeah. So first things first, I like this movie. Um, I'd seen it before, it's, it's probably been ten years ago or so, so I, I didn't remember it very well, um, so I enjoyed the rewatch. like, it really refreshed me in a lot of Is things. Is this a film that, when you watched it earlier, did you seek it out yourself or did I make you watch it? <laughs> I think it? you made me watch it, which isn't <laughs> a bad thing. I'm, well, I was just but, curious. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I either watched it with you or barred it from uh-huh. you, one of those type of things. Um, I will say first and foremost, like... This is just me personally speaking here. I'm not like a very big hard sci-fi guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that part of the film doesn't interest me as much. Sure. But the horror stuff does. And I think there's some amazing set pieces here. Overall, I, I found the, the film enjoyable. Um, I think I appreciate it more for how influential it was than maybe just the film itself. Not to say it's a bad movie at all. I Like I said, I enjoyed it. I just, you know, I, I appreciate it more on, on the greater scale of yeah. how it you know in history i guess i'm trying to say so i did like the movie and uh yeah what about you man
1: yeah i, I love this movie this is um uh, this movie was on cable all the time when i was growing up so i i've been exposed to this film you know almost as much as you know the 80s one obviously in my adult age i've watched you know carpenters more that i find that film more rewarding mm-hmm. but this film is very good uh i always remember my my mother talking about this movie when I was a kid about the, uh, the hand, like when it gets bitten off by the dog yeah. and it like moving that on is its own. Sweet. Yeah. So that had an impact on her. Um, there, there are some killer set pieces and stunts, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the thrills that are in the movie are so good. Yeah. Like they're very well staged. Um, yeah, we'll just get into the movie, man. Um, let's do it. The credits are great. Um, you you know, you get the thing that like the title opens, the music in this film, that's another thing that's so like influential. You you get like the like those big beats that Yeah. But then like there's kind of like a like that wobbly, you know, like what you associate with sci-fi
0: films, like yeah. older ones. Do you know what the sound I'm talking about? I do, 100%. And uh, by the way, the composer of this, Dmitri Tymkin. All right. Or a Good
1: job, Dmitri. Basically, what he did was influence how these movies would be scored from here on out. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like, science fiction films weren't a big thing before this. You know, mm-hmm. this is before you get Alien Invasion movies. You know, uh, before this, you, you had Metropolis. You had... Um, uh, what was the HG Wells one from the 30s it's really po- uh, things to come right things to come yeah. yeah um and you know you get some dinosaur movies and things like that but mm-hmm. you you really didn't have you know hard science fiction yeah you know outside of those so this really informed you know what that genre was going to be with its musical with <laughs> with its musical stylings misspoke uh also with uh you know the way dialogue's presented there's a lot of science talk in this movie uh sometimes to its detriment sure. but that is you know how these movies play out from here on out you get a lot of explaining what the creature is and like how science or mankind it could be to blame right. for what's going on or how we could benefit yep um a lot of the themes in this movie really nails it um that are played in you know, the subgenre, you get a lot of military versus scientists. Yeah, definitely. Um which, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh,
0: a couple things I'll say real quick. After the titler and everything, we get we understand this is a RKO radio pictures. Mm-hmm. That kind of brings into play a little bit um of uh, Howard Hughes. Um yeah. the guy that was kind of, you know, known to be in charge of RKO. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about this or talk about it when we get to the monster, but kind of, I watched a little, I didn't get to, s- to see enough of the the documentaries on the disc that I wanted to, but I started watching a little bit of the, the big documentary yeah. on the Arrow disc, and they talked a little bit about um, Hughes' influence on the film as far as how the monster mm-hmm. ends up looking. And I find that to be a bit interesting on, on that they actually wanted to do Maybe some different things in that what ended up happening with the monster, but I'm sure we'll talk about that yeah. a little later. This takes place in Anchorage, Alaska, which we'll find um, is a little you know same cold setting, but a little bit different setting than Carpenter's. Yeah. Thing. Well, I I think they
1: leave from Anchorage and go up north. Yes. To the north, and yes. carpenters is in the South Pole. Yes. Like the novella. That's right.
0: Um, early on, we. Kind of right when the movie starts, we kind of get introduced to some of our main characters. So, like, first, if I remember right, the first character we are introduced to is Scotty. Yeah. The newspaper man. Um, And I, right off the bat, I kind of like his character. Yeah. And I like the dialogue that's happening around him. And you kind of meet some of the guys... Like the lieutenant, the captain, and yeah. some of the players that we're going to be experiencing the film with.
1: The, the film really does have that Hawk style dialogue, a lot of overlapping, and yes. it has that cadence that he uses in his films. Yeah, it,
0: there's a rhythm to it. Yeah. And that's a big thing with Hawks, and that's what I noticed right offhand, too, is especially you know right after that sequence, we meet um, uh, the lady in the film, which is played by Margaret Sheridan, who plays Nikki. Uh-huh. And... We meet her and and we see her and the captain have this um, relationship that yeah. has had that says that they know each other. They've probably had some sort of romantic spark. It alludes to a one night stand, right? So, but yeah, right off the bat, you just notice that snappy, um, screwballish, hawk style dialogue just back and forth, and I was like, yes, this yeah. Is great.
1: And, and I I think uh, having the dialogue like that it makes a lot of the exposition and like the character interactions and dynamics just setting up the world. It makes all that stuff so much easier to digest because it is so, so snappy. Um, you do have to pay attention, you know, to see like who's talking over who. And I I don't mean that in a, you know, in a bad way of talking over. It's just that rhythm, that cadence, um, you know, watch his girl Friday. That's a perfect example of, you know, how to stage that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what what you think of uh, the captain's uh, underlings, uh, just ribbing him all the time? <laughs> That's
0: right. It, it's good. It, it is good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, another quick thing I'll mention from like these these early moments. Um, I know we talked about this uh, a number of weeks back when we talked about um, uh, Django. Yeah. Uh, and when I'm sorry, not Django. Great Silence. Great Silence. I'm sorry. Um, and we talked about how that scene or that movie was a little bit of a um influence on like tarantino's um movie uh hateful late Eight. Eight. but also the thing both this the thing from another world and the thing are even more of an influence on that movie uh-huh. and i talked about in great silence there was a scene where people keep mentioning to shut the door yeah. well this this scene happens in this movie as well except it's more pronounced because it happens a couple times in a row and i'm like okay that's where tarantino probably got that from more than and the great silence. Probably, it's cold out, and that he yells at people coming through the door a couple times. Shut the door, and I was like, "That's funny." I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So they, um, they get this signal from um, the North Pole, yes. stating that an unidentified object has flown past, you know, their station, and that they want to go investigate. So, the colonel, who keeps telling people to shut the door, yes. he sends uh, Kim, Toby, and his men to go uh, help the scientists out, and, and it's kind of, the way it's played out, you kind of get the feeling that this isn't the first time they've been to this facility. Right. Um, it's a group of scientists that are just up there studying stuff, and it seems like the military kind of goes back and forth, um, probably giving them supplies and support yeah. and whatnot. So. You're introduced to the scientist. You get, uh, you know, the main scientist. I don't have his name offhand, but he's wonderful. And then you get uh, the woman. Uh, I who believe
0: was, uh, is it Doctor Arthur Carrington? Is that yeah right? Carrington. Yes. So that's Carrington's by a... Robert Cornway. Corn Corn Cornithwaite? something. Sorry. Yeah, he he's good in the movie.
1: Um, yeah, you you can actually understand like why he feels the way he does. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, so. You know, Captain and uh, his lady have very frank discussions about sexual politics and yes. one night stand. I thought that was kind of interesting for um, for the time.
0: Yeah, it, it's a great scene. Um, Hawks shoots it in in the two shot form where you get both them in the in the scene at both times, all times, just riffing back and forth on each other. And uh, we've kind of talked about it a lot already, but it, it's just a really great sequence yeah one of my favorites in the film
1: and the cool thing is she's actually the first billed person in the movie yeah she has top billing Yep, and you can tell like she's equal to any of the men mm-hmm. there right so it how hawks does a really good job of having strong women in his films yeah
0: and she goes along with them to you know to their uh uh adventure Yeah. <laughs> <Now>, so they <laughs> she goes up on the north pole with him.
1: here's a negative thing about this film it takes a long time to get going yeah for sure it, i it's what 45 50 minutes before they even get you At know least to probably. the creature yeah
0: so i mean it, once they get there we have a you know we get to know some of the some of the scientists the doctor and yeah it takes a little while to get going and then finally, we, we get to this place to where they have found an object of sorts that is buried in the ice. Which, right?
1: it's a cool reveal. They think at first it might just be like a foreign airplane or something because there's a fin sticking out. Right. But then they start seeing the figure under the ice. And they're like, well, let's line up. Like, when you see a thing, line line up. Mm-hmm. And you get this great reveal. The camera pulls back and they're yep. all in a circle. It's a good shot. And man. the music, you know, really hits. And I, I just think that's a really good reveal yeah. of, like, oh, something else is going on here.
0: Yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, you know, they, they they finally figure out that it's a, fly, a, fly, a flying saucer that's underneath there. Um, they end up uh, putting, like, some... I don't know if it's dynamite uh, or... Thermite. Thermite. And, and blow it up. Uh-huh. In doing so, they blow up the saucer itself. But they find a body... That is also in the ice, and they cut it out.
1: Yeah, they cut it out, um, and it's cool because in Carpenter's version, a lot of the stuff is kind of alluded to. Yeah. Uh, so, in this, they cut out the ice, they bring it back, and they want it kept frozen until they can get word from the general on what to do. The scientists obviously want to study them. Um, you get this nice goof up of one of the guys that's on watch puts an electric blanket... On the mm-hmm. ice block. Right. By accident and unfalls the creature. Yeah. And of course the creature awakens. hmm And obviously like our first impulse is to shoot at it. Right. And yell and scream. Yeah. So that's what happens. Yep. <laughs> Which I, I found kind of funny. I, and you know that's probably what would happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. That would happen for sure. So. <laughs> Around this time I. Um, I I think the thing I I wrote down that I remember the most, which we talked about just a little bit ago, was after it escapes, like, uh, it, one of its arms is ripped off. Yeah, correct? that scene with the dogs. Yes, and they rip that arm off, and the hand becomes alive after it's been ripped off, which, do you have any insight on how they pulled that off at the time? No, I, I don't. I don't
1: even... For whatever reason, the shot's not even coming to mind. I know the hand comes to life, but I don't know if it's something they did to, like under the table or if they completely show it. Yeah, I, I thought they
0: showed it. They probably do. If I remembered right. But it, it's it's very, like, it's a very good scene for the time. Like, I I can't remember seeing something like that before. Yeah. So, I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I mean, it could it, have... It, cool.
1: it, it honestly could have been, you know, some, like, a rough animatronic thing. I mean, right? they... They had that capability, you know, Kong 33, the hand is a robot yeah. hand.
0: Yeah. So, after that happens, um, you know, the doctor and, and hit some of his scientists find a, that the, a dog is dead in the greenhouse uh-huh. after this happens. Um, a lot of the horror elements are more alluded
1: to, obviously, you know, for the time. But they, they do talk about, like, the creature hanging people upside down and draining them of their blood. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've kind of, we get to understand that the creature lives off of blood. Yeah, it,
1: yeah. they um, surmise that it's a plant-based life form right. that feeds on human blood, mm-hmm. but it can also, like, repopulate based off of these, like, saplings.
0: Yeah. And
1: they plant a bunch of those yeah, and we feed them plasma s- right. that's, like, kept for, you know, at, like blood donations. At one
0: point later in the film, we see the... The doctor has been mm-hmm. kind of gardening these plants. Yeah, he's trying to figure out how they work. <laughs> right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So right after the creature, really, once the creature enters the picture, you really start getting the, you know, the standoff between uh, the military and science. And yep. I feel like with all these films, they really present it as you know the science is an elite. Yeah. Like it's the elites versus the everyman. Um. You know, you have you know, the science versus just everyday people logic. Right. And I, I think it's interesting, you know, like the dynamics between that and you're coming off of, you know, World War II, which was ended with the atomic bomb and, you know, splitting the atom, which they even mention it in the film, what happened. Because they mm-hmm. are talking about the importance of science and, you know, splitting the atom. And how this thing could be even more phenomenal. And then somebody says aside, like, yeah, see where, you know, that got us. Right. And that's something that kind of carries through all these films is, you know, because you have the Cold War happening. You know, arms races going on. And everybody's, like, freaking paranoid about, like, who has what. And you saw the devastation in Japan from these weapons. And all that's kind of just blamed on science. Mm -hmm. So science is really the bad guy
0: in most
1: all of these films. Right.
0: And I I wrote this down, this quote, which I, I thought was one of the better quotes in the film. But around this time in the movie, uh, I believe the doctor says, There are no enemies in science, only phenomena to study. We are studying one. Mm-hmm. I like that quote a lot. That is a good line. And I think it co- corresponds with what you're kind of talking about. Movie-wise, you know, af- after they find the dog... The thing goes on to kill like a couple guards in this greenhouse. Yeah, get this greenhouse scene. They end up kind of catching him and boarding him up in this greenhouse.
1: Yeah, you don't see all this stuff. You still only see the creature from far away. You don't really see it yet, but once you get the big reveal, what do you what do you think? Let's talk about the creature and the design.
0: Yes. So
1: the reveal of it is they go to the uh, they go back to the greenhouse thinking he's moved on, right? Yes, and they do. And they open the door. And as soon as he opens the door, it's like the music hits. Mm-hmm. And you get this, like, one of these first great jump scares in Hollywood yeah. where the creature's standing there. And he just smashes his hand through the door. And they freak out yeah, and, like, slam it shut. It's actually
0: a very effective scare scene. It's a good scene. I liked it a lot. I think they do a good job showing it on, on film too. like, kind of more of a... It, it's not a... You know, in, in a lot of scare tactics, there'll be, like, a quick pan or some uh-huh. sort. It's a very modest, like, turn. And, yeah. And then you see that happen. And it is. It's a great, it's a great jump scare. Yeah. It was, it was really
1: cool. What do you think of the creature? Um. So, obviously, they wanted to do something different. Right. More aligned with the book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they couldn't.
0: Yeah. So, this, we you know, this was... I, kinda of mentioned this a little earlier with, with Howard Howard Hughes. Um he didn't want them to do something kind of different. He's like what works on film, right? Yeah. So he was like, well Frankenstein's monster works on film, so let's just make it look like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Which is essentially kind of what they did.
1: Yeah, it it looks like uh just like a weird plant version of Frankenstein, yeah. Like he's got the squared off head. He's got these weird eyebrows that you don't really mm-hmm. get to see too much of. The hand looks really good. It's got like these right. claws yeah, on both Cool, yeah. Um, and he's wearing like a jumpsuit, like a Michael Myers suit, yeah. Which you know, maybe <laughs> that's what they have in space. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, watching, looking at him now, it's it's kind of unimpressive. I don't know how it was perceived at the time. Right. But looking at it now, it's pretty generic. It is. But I
1: think the way it's shot and the set pieces elevate what is there.
0: And he, yeah, and he's such, like we talked about earlier, such a big presence uh-huh. that him being as big as he is is still a bit intimidating.
1: Yeah. So another like super influential thing that you get from this movie, they use it throughout the entire second and third act is the geiger counter right so they build tension um sometimes not as much as one would like you know some movies did it better like the alien franchise but they have this you know geiger counter that it clicks and tells them how close the creature is based off his radiation Mm -hmm. so it's a really neat thing and i think it's probably one of the first movies that did a thing like that and i mean alien and aliens use that to great effect yes they do
0: for sure and that's a a cool little gimmick that they use
1: yeah so you you get some just a lot of dialogue in between the scares that's kind of another like down part of this film is that the the scares they don't do a great job of keeping tension elevated once they hit you with a thing right but our next big set piece is the burning
0: yeah which i think we probably both agree, is the centerpiece of the film. I mean, it's, uh, it's... Oh, yes. It's a great, great set piece.
1: We Even today, wouldn't you say this is one of the most impressive burn stunts you've ever seen in a movie? Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive.
0: So they get...
1: And it's probably not James Arness. I have no idea. But all the actors are on camera during this. And everything is on fire. So you have your leads in a room... That's on fire. Yeah. So. It, it, I was
0: wondering who else is going to make it alive.
1: Yeah. Oh. So the creature comes through. Um, you know, they're gauging it with the Geiger counter. And they pour kerosene on the creature and light him up. And you get this wonderful burn scene. They, like, keep upping it in that yeah. somebody comes by and pours more kerosene yeah. on the creature. And it just engulfs it. And all this is done in one take. Yep, and you see like the actresses behind that mattress, and the mattress is on fire. Yeah, and like everything that people are around are on fire, the whole and place it looks says. like
0: freaking napalm, dude. Looks crazy. Like the whole room is on fire. Yep, it's it's a great piece, man. Like, yeah, and I was blown away to be honest. Yeah, the
1: creature you know jumps out the window. Yep. cools himself off, escapes, lands in the snow. Yeah, <laughs> so cools down. <laughs> this happens, and then the creature, being pissed off, cuts the generator. Because he can survive in the cold. They can't. Yeah. So he's trying to freeze them out. And this is kind of where, you know, the science and military thing boils over. And, uh, you know, Kenneth Toby, he takes command. He's like, listen, I don't care what the general says. We got to kill this thing. That's the only way we're going to save our men. And he kind of like, you know, puts everybody up and they make this trap for the creature. Yeah. They're like, well, it's a vegetable. And they basically microwave it. Right. Like, that's the plan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what what do you think of, uh, like, the conclusion of this film? It's not bad. Like, so, I mean, we get, before the, the very end, like, the doctor, like, goes and tries to reason with the yeah, thing. Yeah, Carrington. The thing, like, just knocks him out. I thought he killed him right at first. Yeah, it looks like sword. he kills him. <laughs> but, but he doesn't. him. Yeah, they set up a plan, draw the thing in. Um, they end up basically, well, electrocuting him, right? Yeah. And, you know, Scotty gets a picture. Um, you know, it, it's not a bad ending. I mean, I wouldn't say it's my favorite ending, but it's a conclusion. <laughs> it, it's the worst set piece <laughs> out of the bl- is, set pieces. It is bland. It like, is bland. compared
1: to the burn and right. that initial scare, it's a little bland. They sh- it
0: shot explode early. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you do, after this, get this wonderful scene where... They are talking to the boys in Alaska. Um, the press is there. And Scotty is telling them over the intercom, you know, the uh, two-way communicator, yep. what's going on. And you get this wonderful line, watch the skies yep. everywhere. Keep, Keep watching, watching the skies. Mm-hmm. Overall, this movie, you you
0: appreciate it yeah. more than yeah. you like it. Yeah, and, and not to say I didn't enjoy it, because I did, but um, I definitely... Appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it like three and a half on my letter, three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Yeah, uh, like, pardon. I would I would highly recommend it to anybody. Like, you should watch it. Yeah, I think for it's sure. An important movie, and I think it's pretty entertaining for the most part. There is some dry parts, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's life. Do you think this film in anybody else's
1: hands would have been as good? Like, do you think it's Howard Hawks' his style? Yeah,
0: I I get a lot of Hawks from this movie, and I know he like did a lot of genre, but like. You have a pretty good idea of watching a Howard Hawks film, what you can expect, and, and I think this does, it's, it's pretty close to a Howard Hawks film, if, for one that's not officially a Howard Hawks film. According to IMDb, it is. And that is something.
1: Because they're the source. Yes. <laughs> uh, All right, man. Yeah,
0: you got anything else to say about uh, The Thing from Another World, Stacy? No, it's a
1: wonderful film, and obviously inspired many filmmakers, so you should watch it. Yes. Because filmmakers know it's what. That's right. Speaking of somebody that inspired, John Carpenter's the thing. Yes, from
0: 1982. That is the next thing we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some early, early thoughts on Carpenter's film. Um, initial thoughts, I should say, not early thoughts.
1: Oh, I love this movie. I think it's one of the best films. Period. I, it, it's one of those movies I discovered when I was really young. It, this movie is really popular on cable or was you know in the late 80s early 90s so this is a thing that me and my dad would watch a lot you know my dad likes these actors and it's one of those like when it's on you just watch it you know like from the point you come in to the end yeah
0: if this if 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 the thing is ever on <laughs> and you start watching it you're not gonna stop I yeah mean, you're gonna watch it all the way through
1: and the cool thing about like this movie is like there's some language and stuff, but it's mostly violence. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, TV does not cut violence out too often. Yeah. So you got to see just about everything on cable. Yeah. <laughs> how how were you first exposed to this film? This
0: so you know we've talked kind of about my background. So I I didn't see this film probably for the first time until I was in my late teens, early twenties. Mm. Uh, the first time I watched this movie, it absolutely blew me away. I think this is one of my personal favorite horror movies just a notch below like alien and and and, um and uh texas chainsaw for me but like not saying like i don't think that's disgracing it too much it's awesome i love this movie it's fantastic it's one of the best horror movies um and period for me
1: yeah i it's not my favorite john carpenter movie that would be halloween but I think it might be his best movie, if that mm. makes sense. Sure,
0: yeah, it, it, it's it's a wonder. Yeah, so <laughs>
1: this movie is closer to the uh, to the novella. It, it's about these men isolated in the South Pole. Um, they're this American military science team. It's never really yep. clear on what they're doing there. Yeah,
0: and like we said earlier, um, where as the Thing from Beyond starts out in Alaska. This, we start in Antarctica mm-hmm. in 1982. Um, and we get right off the bat, we see a sign that says United States National Science Institute.
1: Well, before that, yes, you get space.
0: We do get with space. With the UFO flying in. That's very true. What, what do you <laughs> think
1: of that open? Like, that happens before the titler, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And then you get the the title, but I don't believe it has the music yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. And it, it, just it just burns. It burn, yeah, mm-hmm,
0: yeah. And uh, speaking of music, we see early on, um, Ennio Morricone yes. does the score. With some help from Carp. With some help from Carpenter. The score is great. Yeah. I mean oh, it's one of the best. It's so good. And again, to make the connection with more Tarantino, music that Morricone um, left out, that he, that he made for this movie but he didn't use... Tarantino would later go on and talk to him and use that music for The Hateful Eight.
1: Very cool. I did not know that. Yes.
0: So, another, uh, yeah, wrap around there. But the score <laughs> that
1: Carpenter said, no. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Make it sound like my music. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's correct. So, uh, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, we get this interesting scene of a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And we see it just kind of flying around aimlessly and there's a dog below and it appears to be chasing this dog trying to kill it yeah and when i saw this for the first time it, it took me a little bit because i was confused because i was like what is this jackass doing just trying to kill this dog i was like what a dick it's a good open it is and like right off the bat i, was, I just hated this these guys in the in the copter and you I was don't like, like norwegian people yeah man i had it out for him yeah <laughs> Um, but... <laughs> so note that, any, anybody
1: who's listening that's from Norway, yeah, no I, one doesn't like you. I throw a
0: fist at you, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get this great opening scene and, and, uh, come to, to find out, this, this copter it, it ends up chasing this dog to where, um, uh, Kurt Russell and, and every, and all the men are stationed here. Yeah. At their science research center. And it's kind of a crazy opening. <laughs> so... It is. You know, all, they realize, you know, they hear gunshots in the in the copter in the distance. They all like kind of wondering what's going on. They go outside, and they see this man just. And obviously, they can tell it's Norwegian by what it says on yeah. the, the the helicopter. Other than Kurt Russell, who thinks they're uh, Swedes. Right, <laughs> that's a joke uh, running that goes joke on throughout. That's funny. But, um, yeah, so he's trying to shoot one of their dogs. The dog gets to him without being shot. Well, it's not one of their dogs. It's a stray dog. It's a stray dog. Okay, I I didn't catch that. i sorry. A wolf dog. Okay. Um, So, you know, the helicopter lands, and uh, basically what happens is the guy that was shooting them just completely loses it, starts yelling. um, Well, they, they have that thing where, like, they try to throw a grenade. Right. It blows up the copter and one of his men. It's like, yeah, <laughs> none of that matters. I gotta kill this yeah, dog. Yeah, and he just keeps on going for it. And, you know, they end up shooting him in the, the head and kill him before he's able to kill that dog. What do you think of this opening sequence? Oh, dude,
1: I love it. And before that, you kind of get, um, Carpenter's really good at filming space. Yes. His camera movement, the it's almost voyeuristic in the way it explores the space around and you get this nice introduction before, like, it kind of in the middle, and you know, before the chase, you know, because you get that scene with Russell where he's playing, uh, who plays McCready, he's playing uh, chess, yeah, and, chess king, yeah. And I should have mentioned that because I'm sorry. It it met, it cheats him, so he thinks, and cheating
0: bitch, and he pours his. I think that scene also does like a really good job of of opening by just showing kind of the isolation these guys are in and possibly like it can tell a few things of, of Kurt Russell's character, McCready. Sure. One, it can say he's kind of a loose fuse maybe, Uh but also it can say that this guy has probably spent a lot of time alone lately and is kind of losing it a little bit. That and the, this
1: mentality that he doesn't lose, doesn't lose. Right. You, (laughs) you might beat him, but you're not going to win.
0: Yeah. And so he just, you know, after he loses, like you said, he he says that to the chess king, and then he pours his alcohol and he burns it up. And I'm like, man, you just burned like most of your entertainment. Yeah, for Who, the, the winner. Yeah, who's <laughs> got a
1: freaking like Apple II or whatever yeah. they had?
0: That's <laughs> yeah. expensive. Yeah. So, I, just just in that little scene alone, and, and also I did mention, you know, him drinking the J and B whiskey, which he'll go on to drink a lot during the film as well as
1: one should during the winter. time. Yeah.
0: But just, just this small little scene, I think tells so much about his character.
1: Yeah. No, the character building in this film is phenomenal. Like just the station, the design of it, because everything is meticulously designed. Um, I believe that the Antarctic base, like all the exteriors were shot, you know, on site. And then they did, um, the interiors on a soundstage and, and you
0: can't tell the difference. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah, it's like it,
1: it, It's so well designed. And, yeah, his exploration of space is just wonderful. Another cool thing about this is, um, man, the dog is great. Yes. Like, best canine actor, right? Yeah. Very good. Like, he does things <laughs> that, like, so they stop the Norwegian guy from shooting the dog. They kill him. And they're just kind of, like, theorizing, like, well, what's going on? Maybe we're at war with the Norwegians. Yes. Right. Or, they, you know, the Swedes, according to yeah, Kurt Russell. Kurt
0: Russell says the Swedes. Uh, during that scene, like, one of their guys gets shot in the leg. Um, you know, they have to take him and kind of bandage him up. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they they shoot the Norwegian in the head. Um, and the guy who shoots him is, the is we find out, to be the captain yeah. of the crew, correct? Yep, and at one point somebody like makes a snide comment about uh, the captain finally got to pull use his out, pop gun. Pulls, yeah, use his <laughs> pop gun. Uh-huh. That was kind of funny.
1: So <laughs> they they go up and they want to explore the Norwegian camp to kind of see what was going on. It's uh, let's see, it's uh, Macready and Blair go. Wilfred Remley. right? Um, they're going to explore the site, and you get this like wonderful exploration of this other base and. You know, they see things are like completely destroyed and It's a great set piece. Yeah, you got like this body that's in a chair, who's it looked like he slit his throat and like slit his wrist. Yep. Probably not in that order. Probably (laughs) wrist first. Sure. And like froze. So you get like this body that's frozen with this blood, like freezing as it's coming out of it. It looks really weird. The
0: blood, like it is frozen and as it was dripping off of him it's 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 pretty messed up but like creepy there's some nice callbacks
1: to the original film in that you do see like a block of ice like they brought the thing back in a block of ice yeah um later you know you get the tapes of them discovering the ufo and it's very similar yeah we see like what
0: shot yeah close to a shot for shot kind of thing there with the video. We see people circling around. Uh-huh. We see them exploding the uh, UFO there. Yeah. yeah, It's pretty pretty cool. And so I, I like how they went about that in a different type of way.
1: Now, there. you know, what, 20, 25 years later, we're going to get, like, a really shitty prequel film right. that tries to explain all this, but...
0: I've yet to watch that movie. It
1: is bad. <laughs> like, it's not bad in an offensive way. It's bad in a, like, why was this made? Mm-hmm. This is not necessary. Yeah. So yeah, they explore the Norwegian camp and all that stuff's really cool. And it there's this creature they find, like this double-headed, like morphing weirdness.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> they take
1: it back to the camp,
0: and you know to study it. Yeah, they're gonna do some do some uh, dissection, uh, do some uh, autopsy on this body, and yeah, it, it man. The first time I ever saw, it, and it still like freaks me out now, but like it's such a weird looking mutation. Yeah, like it freaks me out. That's good? <laughs> a lot of this movie freaks me out.
1: <laughs> the movie's so <laughs> breezily paced. Uh-huh. Like the movie takes off from the get go, and it's just so captivating to watch. The pacing in this film is perfect. Yeah, it doesn't let up. Shortly after this, you get your first big like horror scene. Where um the dog is put with the other dogs in the kennel. Yeah. And immediately it starts freaking out and it like opens up and it's like all these layers of special effects. Now, let's talk about special effects real quickly. I think this is one of the best effects films
0: ever. Uh, I, I can't argue. So, Something
1: that they went into the movie with uh, the mindset was we do not want a man in an outfit. Right. That's what Carpenter said. He said... As good as it was, even Alien is a man in an outfit. I don't want that. Yeah,
0: and right off the bat, that that first, uh, when the dog changes, it is so impressive even now. Like, I I seriously, watching that, I can't depict how they did that. Because Mm -hmm. when the flesh peels back on that dog, it's just... There's no artificiality to it. Like, it's just, like, it looks like reality. Like, that actually happened while watching it. It looks like the dog just, its skin peeled back and it transformed into this mutation. Like, Like,
1: this is as good as, like, American Werewolf, right? Definitely. Because, and another thing about this film is nothing's hidden. Everything is in Mm -hmm. front of you. And it's lit very well. Right. There is no room for mistakes or tricks. Yeah, like it's it's gorgeous. Uh, Rob Boutine did the majority of the effects for this film. Mm-hmm. We've talked about on this show before how awesome he is. Yeah. with his effects, this is his masterpiece. Yeah, it, it's um,
0: unbelievable. The workload
1: was so heavy that uh, they did bring in Stan Winston to work mm-hmm. on this kennel scene. Right, and obviously, Stan Winston's one of the greatest effects guys to have ever yeah, lived. What a
0: what a team up there.
1: Yeah. So the dog kennel scene, just right off the start, big bang. Um, they notice it immediately. Come out, start shooting. you yeah. know, The dogs that have been
0: infected. One of the thing that cracks me up, like <laughs> rewatching it, is like just to see one of the other dogs in there just get sprayed with all this. Goo oh and yeah. Cock. And I'm like, oh man. Well, that probably sucked for that dog. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's kind of funny at the same time. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I got feel bad for him. I did feel bad for it, but it was. <laughs> I also was laughing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty messed up. Um, yeah. so the creature gets away. The child's comes, who's uh, played by Keith David, uh-huh. comes with the torch, yeah, and he's like, go yeah.
0: get the
1: flamethrower, man. Yeah, and he starts lighting him on fire. Uh, the guy who runs the kennel, he gets like kind of crazed by this, and they have to fight him back. Yeah. and it starts building towards, you know. They get an idea of what's going on, that the creature is mimicking things. Yeah. and you get this wonderful scene afterwards where Wolford Brimley, you know, who plays Blair, yeah. he kind of knows what's going on. you you see that, uh, you know, he's on the computer running a simulation of, yeah. like, how long will it take for this to get back to the known world, right, right? Now, they do a wonderful job in this movie of making you not know. Who is a creature when? Yeah. Like, when are they infected?
0: Yeah. Like, with Blair's character, for Uh instance, they do a great job of setting that up to where he's typed in the computer, telling them that there's basically a 75% chance someone has been infected, and if someone is infected and they leave, you know, this site and go on to er, Earth, or the United States, or whatever, Uh or anywhere it's going to infect basically our entire world. Like yeah. There's a good chance of that. So it does a good job setting that up and then causing him to seem like he's crazy, but he's doing it in a reason because he's trying to make sure no one gets out of there alive.
1: Now, here's a question that I have for you. Yes.
0: Since we do
1: not know when people are affected, do you think there is a chance that Blair is infected near the beginning and all this is a ruse because you could interpret it that he is doing the computer simulation to for the creature to learn
0: yeah now that's how long, long it would take to take over this planet i have, here's a quote have a question for you and uh-huh if, after the um the dog gets into the compound for the first time uh-huh we see a a shot where we see a, a man's shadow. Yes, and it's a, a, a wonderful a
1: shot where it's very carpenterous. Uh-huh. Where you get the dog, which also the best dog actor ever. Mm-hmm. This dog is in center of the frame the whole yep. time as the camera's pulling back while he's
0: walking. And he walks to this room yep. where you see the shadow That's exactly of right. a man. So we don't know what man was in there. No. We just know that it's the shadow of a person. So thereby, what you just said, could make complete sense. Because blair
1: is really the he is the fulcrum of what sets the paranoia in motion by telling people what's going on by his
0: crazed actions yes he absolutely loses it um he starts tearing up all their equipment he blows up the helicopter like they have to like it takes he has a gun he starts shooting at people it takes basically the whole crew to like kind of calm him down not really calm down but just take him and and, you know put some uh uh medicine in to calm him down
1: yeah we're skipping ahead a little um yes we we got uh they do discover the ufo they go out there to go see it and it is kind of like a almost exactly like the hawk scene where these guys are you know
0: circled around yeah McCready goes out there goes to the ufo site um. They also, at this, around this time, that they kind of find out that even though the bodies are dead, they're on, they aren't dead. They're alive yes. still. Like, the
1: cells are still so moving. we
0: get that scene to where, again, it's another kind of scene where, uh, haven't they done some more autopsy? Maybe. Yeah.
1: And. Because you get that great scene, like, they figure out that, like. He got messed up or something. Yeah. And they chase him out, and he's, like, turns around, and he does, like, the invasion of the body snatchers, like, oh, yeah. and his hands are all left up, and they light him on fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's That was a good scene. That is a good
1: scene. <laughs> so, like, all of this, like, tension's building, and it just makes me, I also think this is in support of Blair, may have been bad the whole time. Yeah. Because what if the creature is so smart that it is doing all of these things to further its existence because only one cell has to exist for this creature to repopulate. So it, like, taking these other guys and making them turn against each right. other, you know, it can kind of, like, sack a few people. Yes. Like, it, it's only interested in, like, the one. It's almost like
0: Legion, you know? Yeah. Um, real quick, I'm going to uh, fix something okay. that I just talked about. Um because I actually re- I should have read my notes. That would probably have been helpful. Sure. Um so that whole scene we just talked about, um when one of the corpses comes back to life, uh the person that it attacks is Bennings. Bennings is his name painted by Peter Maloney. Okay. Okay, and I hashtag kills Bennings because it it takes him over. Yeah. Correct? So after that, you know, yes, Bennings goes outside, we see that some you know, he's turning and McCready throws a, I think it's a flare uh, yeah, you know, on him is. and burns his body. And then after that, you know, McCready's like, hey, I found out that, you know, all the bodies aren't dead. We need to burn all of them yeah. to officially make them dead.
1: And this is when Blair starts going crazy when, you know, we yes, talked a little we, ahead. That's Like correct. once they come back from killing Bennings, Blair's like lost it. Yes. And
0: tears up the equipment, yeah. sets the helicopter on fire. Like, so no one can escape. He also kills the rest of all the dogs that yeah. they have. It's so, like, he just tries to take out everything.
1: The the build of paranoia in this film is so good. That's The
0: screenplay's awesome. The middle of this film, I, I like the whole movie, but but this, this part of the movie is my favorite part. Mm-hmm. The middle part, where nobody trusts anybody, and, like, they're all just so paranoid and, and worried. And, so, like, pre-blood test... Uh, yeah, and going into that blood yeah. test, all that is just like my favorite
1: part of the whole movie. All that stuff's money, man. It's so good. Yeah, them leaving McCready out in the snow.
0: Yes. Um, also during this time, we find out that uh, someone has, they had blood bags that they yeah. kept in reserve. Someone has gotten to the blood,
1: blood bags. Yeah, because they theorized that you could test the blood.
0: Yeah, and right after, really right after that, when they find out that, someone has taken the blood, it's at this point where, like, everybody's like, nobody can trust anybody. Yeah, everybody's losing it. Yeah. Well, so,
1: the the talk about paranoia, and let's talk about the differences between this and the original film. Yeah. So, Carpenter has this wonderful line that he says in just about every behind-the-scenes feature, and you'll probably know what I'm talking about once I say it. He always talks about this difference between the fear inside versus outside. He talks about... You know, the fear out there, which that is, you know, the 50s thing. Like, the bad thing is out there. That's where the scary stuff is. Mm-hmm. We need to keep ourselves closed off and protected from the bad stuff that's out there. Yeah, You know, a very nationalist view mm-hmm. on, you know, that sort of thing. And the scarier thing that he brings up is, to him anyways, is the fears inside that... You know, with the thing that anybody could be the creature, and like it is in us. Yes. You know this. Even if the creature is not in us, we could tear ourselves apart because through fear. Yeah. Um. You know, same thing with Michael. Michael's just a guy. Yeah. You know the fear inside that we could become something like that. That yeah. that's people are capable of that. Yeah,
0: this is definitely a theme he goes back to time and again in a lot of his best movies. Yeah. That's. Uh, For sure.
1: But I would say that is the main difference between these two films is, you know, the the way the creature is portrayed, you know, in that that element of, you know, the fear of us versus them.
0: Yeah. No, for sure, man. I agree 100% with that.
1: Yeah, and I, I always think it's interesting it, it, hearing John Carpenter speak. It's just golden.
0: Yes, he he, he is an excellent uh person to listen to.
1: <laughs> so when they go to visit Blair again, what do you think about that nice thing of him sitting at the table and the nooses in the background? That's right. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm Let me back in. Yeah,
0: and you can he's the lunch tables. Yeah, <laughs> don't trust this man. It, which McCready doesn't. It can still be the thing. Yeah, playing tricks. That's right. smart thing no i i'm with you on this theory by the way
1: and here's the thing if you read about this movie online i guess there's like tons of fan theories about everybody's trying to pick out like who's what when Mm -hmm. so like people think that you know if the person's like breath isn't showing up or you know if the eyes are different or something right which i don't honestly that's probably just how like lighting and like artificial cold yeah. You know, when shooting on a soundstage. It's, yeah, no, for sure. I don't think
0: it's, like, purposeful shit. Right. Uh, around the same time in the film, you know, after McCready talks to Blair there, mm-hmm. um, he very specifically says um, to look out for a certain character. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, do you remember um, his name? No, it's the guy the who film. runs the dog kennel. Um, Clark. Right? Yeah, Clark. Play, it is Clark. Richard Mazur. And he's like, you know, keep an eye on Clark. And Yeah, that's well, what
1: and Blair is the one who puts that thought in his head. And in when, his head. And when you
0: think about it, again, this is something that makes perfectly common sense because I don't know about you, but while I'm when I watched the movie for the first time, uh I I was like the whole movie, I was like, This Clark guy because he's around the dogs. Yeah, so he's going around the dogs. He's, he's so, so protective you know, of the dogs. We get a scene where McCready asks him, How long were you with the dogs before all this You know, crazy stuff happened. He's like, I was with him for like an hour, hour and a half, something like that. And so, like, I'm like, that makes perfect sense why he would ask him that. Because I, while watching the movie, I thought the same thing. It's like, Clark is the guy you guys should be worried about the most.
1: That's the thing with the thing. Mm -hmm. It's so smart. It's a smart. You you know, it looks like a big, dumb creature. Mm Mm-hmm. But that thing is capable of intergalactic travel, yeah, that's for sure it it's got a <laughs> brain, so you know, putting the heat on Clark, taking that heat off of Blair, yep, you know,
0: yeah, so this comes so after all this happens, kind of what happens next is one of my another one of my personal favorite scenes, okay, so what we get next is the guy that gets his chest. Norris yes. The Norse creature, the Norse creature, death thing. Yeah.
1: So, do you want to build to this? Yeah. Um, go. For, yes. Please do. So the paranoia is running rampant. Um, they are looking for. There's something that they're looking for outside, and Macready and um the the guy who's the cook. Yes. Um, yeah. they go up to Macready's shed because Macready says, you know.
0: Is, he, is it Knowles? N- yeah, it's Knowles.
1: It's like we've got to go up there because I didn't leave my light on yeah. when I left and, yesterday. And his light was on. Yeah, and Knowles finds McCready's ripped clothes. Yeah. They surmised earlier in the film that when the creature takes you, it rips your clothes. Yes. Which who even knows? Yeah. It could be bullshit, right? Um. Or it could be a frame job. Who knows what's going mm-hmm. on? So. Knowles comes back to the compound, leaves McCready out there, and McCready has to survive, you know, this blizzard that's going on, and he sneaks into, like, the re- like one of the uh, storage rooms, yep. and they are gonna light him up with a flamethrower just because they don't know yep. if he's a thing or not. He's trying to
0: get in, no one will let him in because everyone's kind of freaked out. Yeah,
1: yeah. and McCready really wants to do this blood test thing, Yeah. so... They open the door and McCready's got a flare next to dynamite. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You light me up, I'm gonna kill everyone here." A, a
0: very smart move on McCready, which
1: part. also plays back to the original, like your introduction to the character of, "I may lose, but you're all gonna, you're lose, gonna lose too." As well,
0: that's right. Yeah, for sure.
1: So <laughs> you you get this like he takes the everybody captive basically, yep. and they do this blood test and. When they're getting ready to do this blood test, uh Norris, yep. the uh, doctor, yes. or one of the he's, he's or he's second in command. Second in
0: command, I think that's right. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, because the doctor, he's got the, the big woolly yeah. eyebrows. That's right. Um yeah, so Norris, second in command. He's kind of a timid dude. They try to give Norris control. Yeah. And he he's won't take it so kind McCreedy of pready. A bigger does. fellow,
0: a weird looking fellow, a little bit.
1: Yeah. So he like starts having a heart attack, which I don't understand... If you think that the thing is only like this dumb creature, none of this makes sense. Yeah. But if you think it's a showman Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing stuff to freak people out on purpose... Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Uh He starts having like a heart attack thing going on and starts wheezing and they put him on a medical table and they're like, well, automatically we got to get him help. Yeah. And this is, you know... You know, talk about the scene you love so yeah. much.
0: so you know, we we get the doctor and he takes the uh, revivers and uh, puts them on his chest and uh-huh. um, shocks him a couple times. Like the, those
1: electric paddles that yeah. you see all the trying time, trying to get him back to life. Yeah, right?
0: does it like one or two times, couple times, nothing's happening. Finally, goes in for I think it's the third time. Uh huh. And right when this <laughs> happens, he puts them on, pushes presses down on him, getting ready to. To punch him, and they just his chest caves in. It's <laughs> like it turns his rib cage is a mouth. A mouth appears as he goes down. Like the mouth bites off both of his arms. <laughs> That's great because they
1: used an actor that doesn't have arms, and they built yeah. silicone forearms and yeah. hands. So I and they built when you do something like this, you know, they put all like the fake blood and everything in there, yeah. and it's all stored in the prosthetic yeah. so once it's like punctured yeah you know that's when it like sprays and out
0: you, you see like you, you can see bone it, it's yeah amazing so it's like a hydraulic
1: those. yeah yeah and i i imagine like the bone is probably made out of wax or something right. similar yeah and you know this hydraulic mouth just closes on this so this guy you know that this double that they got you know that is an amputee
0: he pulls up and these prosthetics just tear, and it looks so good. It looks amazing. Blood goo is everywhere. Like man, I don't know how. Like it's it's just one of the, the best effects ever. Like, yeah, I just love it so much.
1: He like stands in the frame with his little stubs, and they're yeah. like, spraying everywhere. And,
0: ah! yeah that's spraying. Then what happens is like um his his head starts to um like. Expand like well, his neck expands. So, like,
1: the camera does this thing where, like, right after that, like, doesn't the camera do this pulling thing? Uh-huh. And the body's laying there, and tentacles right. shoot out of it, and yep. it's like convulsing. Yep. And they're thinking, like, the focus is on the torso. Yep. And they light it up. And yep. while it does that, it does the expanding yep. thing you're talking light about. Light it up.
0: The head goes back. Like, just, I don't know, man. There's so much weird stuff going on with that. So like, the Norse monsters, like, Oh, he has a head
1: pop up out of his out of, torso. That's right. And it's got like the long neck. It's yes. kind of got like the Evil Dead 2 thing like that as so.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> it's just like flopping around but like weird it's demon so teeth, messed up. And his real head like stretches out and yep. you get like it, it kind of looks like Ash from Alien like mm-hmm. when they pull his head off. It's yep. got all those
0: bobbles. and you see the the eyes are still blinking even when the head comes off. Yeah. And, like, uh, it's a, like green goo. Green goo, an elastic, weird like rope tongue comes out. And yeah, like pulls itself off
1: of the torso. Yep, and the thing sprouts like these spider legs. Yeah, and these like little like uh, not mandibles, but like uh, like eyes yep. sprouts. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> and it's like it's walking upside down like a spider, and it starts walking towards the door.
0: Yeah, and doesn't like. I think McCready or somebody says something. Oh, it's uh was it Parker Palmer? Palmer. Palmer, Palmer is
1: like oh, you got to be you gotta fucking kidding yeah. me.
0: That <laughs> you know, and they light it up. Luckily they flame throw it before it, it gets out of. Her. Yeah. But man, that that's probably the centerpiece. My favorite like piece in the film. Uh-huh. Like, I I just I love the gore and the effects so much in that sequence. It blows my mind every Which, time. Which
1: another interesting thing is like the thing is such an intelligent creature because at this time Palmer is a thing, yeah, right. And he has that line of, like, you gotta be fucking yeah. kidding me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, our next scene, you go right back to the blood test, and yeah. they do a blood test on everybody that died during that scene, yep. And then, um, and this Clark, scene is awesome as well, yeah. Clark attacks. McCready and McCready shoots him right in the face. Yeah, shoots him in the head. And they he, do the blood test on Clark, and Clark's a human. Find out he
0: was normal. Um, which
1: also it's great because it kind of like builds up that more tension of, dude, McCready might be bad because right. you know he just murdered someone. Yeah, and which Childs brings up, you know, Keith yeah. David, and uh, man, I love this blood test scene because of the tension. Yeah, it's, it, great. it's so good. You know, they're they're testing people's blood, and the theory is. That the thing is just, like, just cells that are trying right. to survive. So... And we've
0: learned that fire is
1: what um, disposes of it. So they take this hot needle and they poke it into the blood. Yeah.
0: Everybody cuts their, you know, makes an incision on their hand. And they kind of put their blood each in, like, this little... Like a Petri dish. Of, yes. Little dish. And, you know, for each set of people's blood... McCready, you know, takes his flamethrower, warms up the wire, yeah. and dips his wire into the blood. What do you think of that effect, like, that jump scare of, like, he dips it into the blood
1: and it, like, pops out? Yeah,
0: finally, um, you know... Like, it's a it's, small it's, effect, but, like, how do they do that? It's great, like, not just, be, like, like you said, the tension that builds up to that scene, because I think probably everyone, when you watch that scene, you're expecting one of them... It's kind of like a jack in the box. Like uh-huh. you're expecting one of them to be a thing. You don't know when or uh, what time or which one. So it's like each. Oh, that's each a great test comparison. Happens right? Yeah. And so finally, when it does, boom, <laughs> and it's like yeah. it, it's a good jump scare. Dude, good take by you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, exactly
1: like a jump, a jack in the box. Yeah.
0: So it, it's it's a really fun scene.
1: Yeah, and then you get like this great turn of Palmer sitting there tied up next to everybody else who's tied up on the couch and his face just starts turning into like Van Gogh, oh, you yeah. know, the shouting man mm-hmm. or screaming man or whatever. And his face is just freaking melting Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Blood is pr- like pouring yeah. everywhere and he's just shaking.
0: Eyes are really bulging out. Um, Yeah. It's, it's this crazy effect. And then like you see his head like kind of split at one point, yeah. like this crazy mutation comes out, It's like a weird like Venus flytrap. Yeah, trap. then he has teeth, kind of like um, Norris's body. Um, like teeth appear out of his head, and and then all of a sudden, like widows. Is, Windows. Windows. Yeah, is, he can't get his flamethrower
1: working. Yeah. He just clamps he on just his head, grabs his body, and <laughs> dude, this is great too. I know it's probably just like it's an actor in makeup holding like a stunt dummy. But it looks good and they keep it in frame mm-hmm. where he's just like got him in his like yeah. jowl and he's just smashing yeah. everything. And his
0: body's just wiggling around upside down inside inside this head.
1: <laughs> and you also um they pay reverence to the first film and that you get a burn uh-huh. and the cut is the exact same as the Hawks one, where it cuts to him jumping out of the window. Right. Yeah. It's the exact same setup. That's right. Um, this burn is not as impressive, mm-hmm. but it's still, there's a lot of good burns in this movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure, man. A lot of good stunts.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like you said, um, uh, all that happens, uh, McCready flames Palmer and windows and they are both finally mm-hmm. dispatched.
1: <laughs> so at this point you just got, um, what was it childs? Yes. McCready and what was it the captain? Uh, I believe Knowles is still. Oh, alive Knowles is still alive Knowles too. Knowles is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, and of the, course Blair. Yeah, and Blair. But um, they go to find Blair. Yeah. They leave
0: Childs behind. Yeah, and they they realize Blair has escaped somehow. And and the power goes out. The power goes, the, goes out. The generator yeah. has been cut or. So, they're going to
1: freeze out. They've only got, like, what, maybe a half hour to an hour, and they're yeah. going to all die? So,
0: yeah, they go to the room where Blair was being kept hostage. Um, they find out he's not there. Then they find out, um, kind of underground, where he was at, he's been working on building some sort of ship. Like a vessel. Like, yeah.
1: I don't even know what, like, obviously it's not capable of space travel. Like, the creature doesn't want to leave. Right, right. It, it's just
0: it's a weird thing. It is weird that I have very few complaints about this movie, but that scene kind of bewilders me. All the last fifteen minutes get a little. It's a little messy, choppy. It is, and again, not. I'm not. I love this movie. Right. I, that's just. I have some small issues with kind of the last act. Well, a little bit. Yeah,
1: the spaceship thing doesn't make sense. Again, maybe it's just the creature messing with people. Right. Maybe he's just this great prankster. Yeah. Um, so they leave childs behind, which, like,
0: why don't you pair off in twos? No, for sure. That would be more logical.
1: But they're, they've are they decided, if we're all going to die, we're going to kill this thing. We're going to light it up because, you know, it wants to freeze itself so somebody can find it. Yeah. So they just start going around burning the factory. At this point, you have Blair running around. Yeah. Um, Kind of killing people, slasher style, like kind of one on one,
0: you know. Yep. Yeah, oh, I'm
1: gonna go check on this thing, and then he like he does that thing to the the
0: captain where yeah. he
1: puts his like fingers in his jowls. Yeah, it's
0: it's that's a really cool. It's weird and stretching too. Like, yeah, he's got his his fingers in his face, and it's like his his hand and face become one. And yeah. It's just like yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so, a weird thing. Rough go for the captain there. Knowles bites it. Yep. Um, we don't know what happens to Childs. He kinda runs off yeah, and his, um, you know, while they're looking out at right. the compound. McCready, like you said, I mean he he blows up the ship that Blair had been working on. He blows up um uh this what 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 I, do you
1: think of the Blair monster reveal that's in like this basement? So yeah, we
0: finally uh, But they're way, setting
1: up all this TNT to like yes, destroy I, the base. I will
0: say, heading up to this moment, I, I really like um, all the 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 reds and the colors uh-huh. that they're using towards the last scene. You know, most of the scene we get a lot of blues, mm-hmm. like in, in this blue, um, color, and then towards the end, it's mostly just this red sequence with all these tunnels and undergrounds. And I really like that a lot. Like yeah. the set piece itself is really cool. But yeah, w- once we get to like the final mutation that that Blair turns into, it is a little bit of a letdown.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Blair Monster, weakest design. Okay.
0: Well we agree on that then. So Yeah,
1: it is in originally they meant for it to be stop motion, but I guess something to do with like they couldn't get the scaling of it right. Yeah.
0: There there is one a uh, I I uh, there was one small complaint I will have. This is the only complaint I'll have with these special effects. Uh-huh. It's not fully its fault, but with, with these new transfers and everything, at the very end there's a, there's a sec, there's a small little thing with, during this segment. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, I don't know if it was, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but there was a moment that didn't work for me in the special effect. Was it the tentacle grabbing the yes.
1: detonator? It was very... It's stop motion.
0: Okay, stop motion, and it, it just, it didn't work for me in, well, in watching this new transfer. Yeah. And I and feel like it's the transfer's fault.
1: No, it's not. No? Okay. No, it always sticks out. It's, okay. uh, here's the thing. I love stop motion animation. When you have something like this movie that everything is so real and tangible, to go to a stop motion scene, yeah. it's very off-putting because like your eye knows mm-hmm. that like this
0: isn't how things move. And it, it, it doesn't correspond with the the rest of the film, the no. way the way the other effects have been used thus far. Yeah, in the Blair Monster, it
1: just it, it doesn't really i imagine from a design point i bet like on a drawing this thing looked amazing mm-hmm. and it just i don't know it, it just looks it doesn't do anything it just stands there but it, it, it's like a combination of all the like designs uh-huh. into one yeah. you have like dogs splitting out of its stomach right uh, it's got, like, the big, like, mouth popping out of yeah. the head. Yeah, on the side there, yeah. And it, it just, it looks weird and non-threatening. Yeah. It doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah, and it, that's, again, small complaint. It's just that buildup. Yeah. It, it just, it, it happens pretty quick, too. Like, he, he... It's very anti-climatic. He takes it out, which... which Oh, that whole thing is maybe,
1: what, two minutes? It's very fast, yeah. Like, the thing, like, it, it he sees that it takes out um, Knowles, mm-hmm. and he is running down the hallway, the, like, tentacle, I, you assume it's a tentacle, right. is, like, going underneath, like, making the boards, like, jump up, and then it pops up out of the center,
0: yep. like, takes the detonator. And I will say, it. I, I really like the part where, like, it's coming up on the ground, though. Yeah, like, that looks really good. That's really cool stuff right there.
1: But um all that happens when McCready like throws a dynamite at it yep. and like that's it. Yeah. It's done. Game over. And so, yeah. <laughs> but now the ending, the very end is really good. It is. Yep. So you get McCready finds Childs and they just have this like nice like back and forth and you really get the sense that you don't know who's infected. You assume that McCready is fine, because that is the character we followed through the whole movie. You also, it gives you an uneasy feeling about Childs because right. he was unaccounted for during the entire mm-hmm. last act of this
0: movie. Yeah, what's he been doing? What's he been up to? Yeah. But neither of them trust each other
1: and Morricone's score is really hitting it right here. Yep. And I remember when I was younger, and I don't know why, but the ending always bothered me. Like, it, it just has that feeling of like, it's kind of like the ending of Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. where you
0: just feel like, Gross. It's it's a like you just feel like oh It's it's a dread in, induced ending because like, let's just say both these characters aren't infected. They're gonna die either They're way. Gonna, yeah, no like, matter what, bad yeah. things happen. Right. Um, because they have no power, they have no heat source, they have no one coming for them. Right. Um, we probably should have. I this was something I forgot to say earlier in the film. They had they they had um power early in the film, and of course they had like a radio, but. They, were, they weren't able to like get a hold of people. No. Like, so they couldn't get a hold of people, which explains some of, like, no one ever came to help them anyway. But to bring that up, like, everything's blown up anyway. So, like, it's just these two characters. And they, like, I like that it brings back the bottle of J&B somehow survived, which yeah. I really liked. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and Childs and McCready are just sharing this bottle of J&B. McCready says, um, like, I think this is the last thing that's said. I could be wrong, but he's like... Uh, why don't we just stay here, or maybe Child says it. One of the two says. No, Mercury says. Okay, it. and he says, "Why don't we just stay uh, here a little while and see what happens?" Yep, and, and that's how it ends. That's the end of the movie, <laughs> which, I mean, it's an awesome ending, but yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a bummer.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that movie's so good. Yeah, um, they did a, a video game like what twenty years later uh-huh. for PS2 and Xbox kind of based on this it was all right it's like nice. Resident Evil style yeah um the movie gained like it bombed when it came out it hurt Carpenter's career for a little while yeah he he took took like the like this movie not doing well very personally yeah critics were savage to this mm-hmm. movie too dude that was just 1982 like people yeah. took a shit on Blade Runner right people took a shit on this film everybody was just high on E.T. Yeah. which you know great movie sure People were saying things like Carpenter is like a pervert and like just a gore hound and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And
0: it's like, man, there's a lot to say other, I mean, than 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 the gore effect. There's, yeah, this movie has a lot to say. It you know, take criticism lightly. You know, it's it's
1: everybody it's considers movie. this a classic now, right? Yeah, I I think so. I think like, it, can you think of like any film critics that today that would just be like, this movie sucks? all the ass i don't know any that do no
0: um and that's a good thing yeah it's a it's, good turnaround it's a like great movie
1: and, and the movie didn't do well at the box office but like this movie was always on cable mm-hmm. and you know it did very well on home video i remember this movie is one of the first dvds i ever owned it was the uh that very first run of like the universal you know they had the gold like yep. tops and bottoms yep uh, I think I got it from a Suncoast. I don't think those exist anymore. I do not. I, I it's probably like 40 bucks for the DVD. Dude, I probably bought this movie probably five or six times over
0: my lifetime. That's awesome. I've, I've bought it three. Yeah. Let's talk about, real quick, how we watched this movie. Yeah, we both watched... Well, okay, what was it? Two years ago, the Shout Factory came out with a really good edition. Yes, a two-disc Blu-ray edition, which, not to crap on that one because it's an awesome edition... Um, tons of special features. Yeah. And And, it's a new transfer of the film. Yeah.
1: And, you know, compared to the Universal Blu-ray, which I also had, um, that movie, there's a wonderful documentary about this movie, um that they did for the original dvd and the blu-ray did a shitty thing that blu-rays were doing at the time when they first came out they would take like documentaries and insert them into the movie yeah so you couldn't watch the full documentary
0: yeah it was, it was very odd
1: yeah so you know shout factory remedied that and they um you know put it on the disc um but we both watched the new arrow yes and um so transfer I think-
0: Last year, this came out. This um, mm-hmm. Arrow, and this is only a UK only release. So if you don't have a region free player, you can't get a hold of this one. But um, and it was is a limited edition. So Arrow put this out last year. Um, it comes with a couple new features that are yeah. on the Scream Factory. Um, and but the difference is Scream Factory has more extras. This just has a couple of its own. So, Scream Factory does have more extras, but they both have the
1: main documentary they that do was both done have the main in the uh, late 90s. Yes. And this one, the Arrow one, has a documentary that's about the same length. It's about an hour and a half. Yeah. And it goes through the entire genesis of the story. Mm-hmm. So, starting with, um, what is John Campbell? Yes. Um, starting with his story, you know, Who Goes There?, all the way up through, you know, the fifties film up to Carpenter's film. Yeah. You know, kind of going through the history and the method for the, like these movies being realized. Yeah, so so it's pretty interesting. Good
0: stuff. And you and you get, like Stacey said, the old documentary too. So it's a it's a really great disc. It comes with a book. Tear takes well. shape. Tear takes shape, Yeah. right. Um so this and this supposedly this and the the Stream Factory both have very small differences in their um transfer from my understanding the screen
1: factory has more like harsher blues okay and i think that they took out a lot of grain okay the arrow definitely has grain
0: yeah and i will say i have not i have both versions but i have yet to dig into the screen factory Mm -hmm. one i will say i was very impressed with the arrow transfer it looked stunning like yeah it looked great it was it was and I'm just yeah. I, and
1: from what I recall, the Scream Factory one looks good too. And I've
0: heard that as well. So and I'll I'll definitely dig into that disc sometime as well. Um, because, you know, this is a movie that I'm not just going to watch this for the last time in my life. So no. I'll be watching this more times. And I'd like to check that disc out as well. Yeah, and
1: I mean the movie, you know, it, it's really popular now. People consider it one of you know, typically you'll find it on a lot of top ten horror film lists. Mm-hmm. A lot of people consider it John Carpenter's best film. You know, it did spawn a video game. It spawned a prequel movie that came out after. Yep. I think it's highly regarded for um, the atmosphere, for the characters, and I think it's regarded as one of the best special effects films ever created.
0: Yeah, and and I completely agree with that. Like, to see a movie made at at that time and to still be as impressed today, Mm -hmm. I think that's quite a feat. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. This is one of those movies that I think is timeless.
0: Yeah. Um, and,
1: yeah, I I watch it probably once a year. Yeah,
0: and, and that's that's the other thing, too, is just, you know, all these things are true, but also don't forget, like, it's just an entertaining movie. Yeah, for like, sure. from start to finish, every, like you said earlier, we talked about, when, when you, it's a movie that, if it's on TV, like, you don't want to stop watching it. it no, it's no just, matter where you come in at, it's, so it's much like, fun.
1: I... I guess I'm watching the thing now.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, this was a fun discussion, man.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I love these movies. I'm glad that, you know, we got to visit them and talk about
0: them. What do we got coming up? All right, so this I, this will be my pick for our next episode. We're going to stay a little bit on the horror theme because mm. I think that's kind of fun in winter right now. Um, kind of bleak out there. So let's just do some more bleak stuff. Okay. So we're going to be checking out... Uh, Lucio Fulci's, we're going to do a little bit of a quote-unquote double feature of Lucio Fulci. We're going to watch the new 4K restoration uh, from Blue Underground of Zombie, uh, Lucio Fulci's film. And then after that, we're going to do a bit of a double feature. We're going to also talk about Zombie 3. Now, this is uh, another quote-unquote Fulci film, and I say that because he only directed half of it uh, before he was uh, released of his duties on the film. so tropical horror films
1: to get past this winter that's right. yep. I love it we're
0: we're gonna we're gonna bring the heat zombie style Listen, So
1: if you want to see sharks versus zombies with nude swimmers, yep, this is the film for you.
0: yeah. so I think this is gonna be a really fun discussion zombie uh you know we've both seen zombie before it's a lot of fun i've never seen zombie 3 nor have I. i've i heard it's awful but i'm looking forward to it indeed um and we have the blu-ray of that too i'll talk about it next time about who put that out because i can't remember right off hand so uh it's been real man this has been yeah. fun and uh you know before we end let me say follow us on uh twitter at cinema parlor uh, you can find us, of course, here on iTunes at the Pod Center. Rate us, review us, please. Uh, we're getting started, so any any type of review or rating would help. Uh, you can find us on Letterboxd. I'm at Chuck Madden Jr. or Nolan Tuck. You are at S Glover eighty four, and that's where you can find us. I think we're on SoundCloud as well. I don't do this very often, and I need to. I give a shout out to Melanie, our producer, who does an amazing job um and uh hopefully she
1: can edit out all the chainsaw yeah we've had a we had a, and oh. i just hear
0: dogs losing it too so this is probably a good time for us to end yeah <laughs> so we'll see you guys next time goodbye bye bye <laughs>